What's going on, world? And welcome back to Well Connected. Appreciate you tuning in today. Got a dope episode in store. Today we're going to talk about something that's very passionate to me. And that's politics. And more importantly, my experience as a black politically independent perspective. So when I say black politically independent, that means that myself as a black American, I am a registered independent. That's right. I'm not a registered Democrat or a registered Republican. Now, although the black community votes Democrat a large percentage of the time, about 90% clip, I think there are very different issues and things that resonate differently with black Americans that can provide their perspective. And I want to talk about those things today. So for myself as an independent, what does that mean? Well, when I turned 18, I was always pretty much very aware of politics uh, conscious for what was happening, looking at things from a objective point of view. Now, with that being said, I definitely still have a lot of friends and family who are all Democrats, uh, like most of the black community, people who are liberal progressive. But at the same time, I have friends who are Republicans and conservatives and uh, different viewpoints. And large part of that was really for myself, I always been being a leader. In undergrad, I was a political science major, so I got a large passion, especially understanding of legislation and policy and constitutional amendments and various elements that shape this country from a large uh, political perspective. And then times as well, working in education, I experienced liberal racism. And I'll touch on those things a little more. So for starters, right, I think the black community needs to understand that white supremacy and racism is a bipartisan product. I'll say it again. White supremacy and racism is a bipartisan product, meaning that both the Republican Party and Democratic Party historically over time has passed rules, laws, legislation, and policies that have negatively impacted the black community. It's objective. Now, from obviously a um, point of view just from exterior, the Republican Party has never done any organic outreach to try to reach the black community. And oftentimes, many of the prominent figures in the Republican Party, or at least on social media, these people like that, they may have a lot of negative thoughts and things that do not resonate within the black community or culturally. So we're not naive to that, right? But just because of that, the Democratic Party doesn't mean it's all Mac better option. Now, I think for ourselves, we need to understand that like politics, in my perspective, has become very, very partisan nowadays, right? Everything is Democrat or Republican, uh, especially in the past like about eight years, um, even going back from President Obama to, of course, 2016 with President Trump uh, and Hillary Clinton and then his past election as well. Things are so just uh, uh, um, just volatile is that people are all about essentially burning the other side. I got your moments. And when that happens, you start believing anything negative about the other party. And I see that a lot. And for myself as a black American, unfortunately, I see black Americans as well are being used and exploited oftentimes within this rage and within this pettiness and with this exploitation. Right. I think largely for Democratic Party, I think over time, historically, have they passed policy legislation to help the black community? Sure. A large, large, large part of that was in the back end about 50 plus years ago. I commend those things, but you know, it was big. But you know, since that, yeah, that's 50, 40 plus years, ah, you've been on the other side. Now, touch on that, what I mean, especially with legislation and policy. Now, I think it's real easy to say why someone wouldn't vote Republican, but as a black person, why not vote Democrat? My point of me of this is not to tell a black person not vote Democrat or not vote 
or join the Democratic Party or anything at all. I think everyone um, has a right to believe what they want. I think politics should be looked from a respect standpoint, um, communication, dignity. This partisan stuff, honestly, is, is a large, it's hypocritical. And it's like, as a whole, for black Americans, red look. We do not have a large amount of representation in this country from a political perspective. So let's put things kind of where we're at. So in Congress, right, there are 535 total members in Congress. You have 435 from the House of Representatives and 100 from the Senate. Okay. Out of those collective 535 total members of Congress, 62 are black. We have 59 members in the House of Representatives, 55 are Democrat, 4 are Republican. Out of the 100 senators that we have, only three are black. Tim Scott, Ralph Young Warnick, Cory Booker. Two Dems, one Republicans. So again, I come back to saying out of this collective 535 members in Congress, only 62 are black. So from a macro perspective, like we really don't have a large amount of representation in, from a federal level. What's very important is definitely from a state level. And that's where you see a lot more representation where state representatives, state senates in different parts of the country. But again, out of 62 cold members of Congress, that's only from 28 states. That's only about half of the state. So there's still another almost like half of the country that doesn't have any federal black representation whatsoever. So with that being said, put in perspective, are we really in a position to play the whole partisan game? Because in that regard, the black community needs actual tangible policy. And for me, I'm all about tangible policy. Not about the fluff. Not about the exploitation. I feel like a lot of the politics is from a fear-mongering perspective, a gaslight perspective, a shaming perspective. And especially with the Democrat Party, again, the point is not to tell black people not to vote Democrat, but to tell black people to vote for actual policy. I feel that we, we get utilized and exploited for our vote by fear-mongering us, by telling us slavery will come back, by chiming in on white supremacy and racism, and gaslighting us to go vote because it's oftentimes used with many uh, um, um, strawman arguments. And it's like, well, just because the other party may not be directly good for you doesn't mean this other party has good policy for you. And I think black people get very much utilized because we look at the past like 40, 50 plus years from a large perspective, there's a lot of negative policy that's happening against the black community and a lot of it has come from different democratic politicians. And so that's something that, again, it's it's bipartisan, but it's something definitely to talk about. So why would I not join the Democratic Party? Well, I think there's a lot of talking points and things the Democratic Party utilizes nowadays that don't necessarily align with the black community. I am very pro-black. I'm also pro-American. I might pride myself on being proud of being American. Now, at the same time, I undoubtedly believe that white supremacy and racism exists in this country and it always has and will, unfortunately. And there are lots of reg- legislation and policy things that have been done with absolutely race as a primary faction to it. Now, with that being said, I'm not a victim. I'm not oppressed. 
It's a very unique balance. I grew up every year celebrating 4th of July and also celebrating Kwanzaa as well. My great-great-grandfather was a Buffalo soldier that served in the Civil War. In every major war since, I have family members that have served and fought for this country. In fact, as well, I can trace my ancestry all right back to plantations in South Carolina. Uh, my mom is really good on uh, using a lot of ancestry and actually tracing our lineage um, here domestic in America, especially my father's side and mom's side. And as well, I've traced my family members back to the Freeman Bureau. So I've been in America. We've been here. We built this country. You know, you know Frederick Douglass, you know, uh, once said, Abraham Lincoln, uh, during the Civil War, you know, he's known for freeing the quote unquote freeing the slaves. However, his, his initial plan was to colonize us back in Africa. And he hosted a delegation of free black Americans. And basically said, hey, look, I don't know what to do about the slavery thing, but uh, I can get you out of here. And Frederick Douglass told him, why do we have to leave? We're just as American as anyone else. In fact, we're more American. We literally have built this country. Now, the great thing about free speech interpretation is that we don't have to think the same way. Now, with that being said, just because I have been fortunate to see the somewhat benefits at times in this country and that has afforded black Americans, I'm also very, very, very cognizant of the negative elements that happened to black Americans, and especially from a more consistent point of time. Some civil war and slavery, the Jim Crow laws, to the anti-Negro laws of reading, through all the different legislation and civil rights movement, to disparities within health, disparities within financial elements, uh, disparities within social progress. These things have been done on purpose. So I also at the same time empathize and understand if a black American may not see this country as proudly. When they see that flag, they may not see the same pride in it. And that's okay. Because I believe in free speech. And it kind of got to the point even with Black Lives Matters, and how initially I do believe in the general essence of Black Life Matters and that Black Life does matter. And I don't think we should be murdered and killed in these streets. Right? That everyone should have their day in court. No one is judge, jury, and executioner. It doesn't matter what someone's past record was or what happened to them. In that current moment in time, if they do not do anything that deserves to be killed, they do not deserve to be killed. I also understand accountability. I also understand about putting ourselves in different positions and times. It's important we think differently. You know, the Democratic Party, I think the reason why they do well with the black community is because they culture understand us. And the culture understand us, that means typically as well, the black community is, I won't say word infiltrated within with the Democratic Party, but it, it's pretty infiltrated by the Democratic Party. In almost all essence. And when I say that, I mean that like most black celebrities, entertainers, musicians, athletes, uh, social influencers, they oftentimes will promote for a Democratic Party when it comes, especially election season. And it's not by coincidence. Like they're actually paid by the Democratic Party as Democratic surrogates. And the black community is one of the few communities in which these people, these entertainers and celebrities, influencers and athletes are looked at as actual leaders within our community. Now, I'm not saying that these people cannot be conscious and they cannot have political discourse. No, not at all. However, it's not organic because any other time, a mass majority of these people do not have any commentary on political elements impacting the black community. They will only 
talk about it when is election season that's it and only have one certain talking points it's very evident for myself i go down to the congressional black caucus convention every single year i'm gonna go down a couple weeks again the reality is i don't think they really passed too much policy that specifically impacts the black community they're trying to be very very inclusive with this bipoc stuff now i'm very empathetic and aware that white supremacy and racism has impacted other communities and I do believe in situational coalition building. However, the black community and black Americans have a very unique and distinct position in history in this country like no one else. And in fact, anti-blackness goes across the world in almost every single country, unfortunately. So this notion that some people are automatically allies, in fact, is not the case at all. Again, I believe in empathy and respect. But I also understand many other minority groups and ethnicities have also been very anti-black and also will support white supremacy when it benefits them. So again, the Democratic Party and a lot of progressive talking points will move this, this coalition. It's this just undoubtedly unblinded coalition. And it's like, ah, well, you know, there are some things that don't necessarily we should align on. And I think there's some main talking points, right? I think for starters, right, one element that the, the Democratic Party is pushing hard that for myself as a black American I cannot resonate with um, is the overwhelmingly monetary support of illegal immigration. Now, when I talk about quote-unquote legal immigration, I want to be very fair and blunt when I talk about many times this conversation is led from a very xenophobic position. There are many other conservatives that just don't want them in the country because they're not white. I'm very blunt. And I think illegal immigrants are people. They're humans, their husbands, their wives, their brothers, their sisters. Okay? They're not animals, they're not aliens. Um, they deserve respect and dignity. And all the time the conversation doesn't happen that way because it's led from a hateful position. Oftentimes people will say, Tuck your germs! Shout out to South Park. However, in reality, those illegal immigrants are not taking the jobs of the people who are calling them out. However, with all that being said, illegal immigration actually negatively impacts the black community. We're actually the one few people actually that do actually get hurt by this. And there's several different layers I talk about. And for myself, I'm looking at more from a policy perspective and how illegal immigration is happening, not from the individual people, right? Because I'm not going to personify and project onto all those different people. However, what I will talk about hypocrisy, though, definitely goes along with the system, though, and how it impacts black Americans. Uh, just for starters, right? Historically, black Americans have been targeted and have been mass incarcerated for very nonviolent crimes, for doing things to try to better ourselves, so whether it's selling drugs, but that's because you're trying to support your family and things, right? Or whether that's doing little things as well on the street to hustle and stuff like that to make some money so you're, you're light staying on that night. Right? More or less this notion is Robin Hood element of like, look, just because you're trying to do something noble doesn't mean you can break the laws and rules. Bet. And we've been a big factor of that. But nonetheless, though, it's like, look, and you're coming into our country, uh, it's still a federal crime. Like, even if you're coming here to better yourself and your community and your family, you're still breaking a federal crime. 
and just a from a empathy perspective this notion that somehow some way like it's okay like well no black americans are not afforded that sympathy we get locked up and mass incarcerated so there's no somehow some way you can just come to the country and it's okay like because you want to better yourself no there's rules and regulations for a reason okay now i'm not just talking about us from just a hypocrisy standpoint from a situational element then really from a job standpoint and i'll touch this later on in other podcasts but the reality is, over time, many of the jobs that, quote-unquote, immigrants pick up are very low-skilled jobs. Historically, those were held by black Americans because of lack of access to education, uh, lack of access to equity. Um, there was funds. Black Americans held those jobs. So whether it was cleaning service jobs, right, whether it was working in the kitchen, right, whether it was working in the hotels, right, whether it's doing the construction things, right? These were all things before that black Americans held because we were these are low-skilled or low-educational jobs opportunities. And here's the reality part I want to get to and what comes to it, why it hurts the black community. Okay. At the end of the day, racism, white supremacy, undoubtedly exists in our country. And in some ways, black people are oppressed at times, for sure. However, all that being said, we're black Americans. And because we're black Americans, we still have to get paid as black American citizens, meaning that there's still a minimum wage we have to adhere to that people actually have to pay us to thing about it then with legal immigrants is that well they're not citizens so therefore these companies know that well i don't have to pay you a minimal wage because you can get deported you're just here and happy to be here so to pay them next to nothing on which is still exploitation right i'm not saying that's okay but next to nothing isn't still a minimum wage you have to play a black american citizen and actually provide actual things and elements to from a government perspective because i'm an american citizen so the companies will do right is that to go ahead and hire the legal immigrant instead of the black American citizen because it's a lot cheaper. It's capitalism. It's messed up, but but that's what's happening, right? That's position. Like from farming, right? Since 1920, there are 95% fewer black farmers today. Now, same time, you see a lot of times those people, you see videos online of different um, immigrants coming to the country and people who are, you know, picking farms, something, thing, they're picking tomatoes and, and the caption be, oh, no one else does this work. I'm like, well, no, actually, there was a large percentage of black Americans that did that work. But unfortunately, for time, that got exploited. And we were, um, due to white supremacy racism and lots of policy, where have our farms and lands taken away. And often, those labor jobs were replaced, well, with cheaper labor force. And so, there's a large percentage to go around to it. And even now, especially in certain cities where you see actual reparations and monies given to illegal immigrants and migrants who are into the states and, and giving in checks and housing and get bussed around. I think it's all messed up altogether, right? So I'll never take joy in the same people struggle. But at the same time, where's hypocrisy? You've got black American citizens who are homeless on the streets. You've got black American citizens living in adverse poverty. You've got black American citizens who vote. You've got black American citizens who are veterans who are on the streets, right? And it's like, we get left behind. But again, for the Democratic Party, I take this home, is that, look, uh, right now they know that their party is growing and the Hispanic community is going to be a big voting block to it. And so especially you're going to cater to a lot of those talking points but because of that policy and legislation right that may not benefit the black community doesn't matter because they know for black people well it don't matter what we do you don't vote for us regardless we don't got no actual policy for you but policy like that actually hurts the black community so what i say is that like i will never ever call ice okay have someone deported any of that stuff right and, and, no <laughs> but i'm also not gonna sit here and cheerlead and act like this stuff doesn't impact and hurt the black community and black American citizens. Uh, yes, it does. Right. So that's a big point why I can't get jiggy with the Democratic Party and quote unquote progressives. Right. Because that that part does actually hurt us. Now, on the other side. Right. 
Well, you would think with some of the talking points that I can come over to the Republican Party. Well, not. Now, you see, the Republican Party, they suck at actual any outreach. Historically, right, when someone thinks of a black conservative, right, or black Republican, it may be someone like, you know, Ben Carson or Clarence Thomas, right, or Colin Powell. And then nowadays, you have the main pundits, what is Candace Owens and Brandon Tatum and these Turning Point USA. And the problem is hypocrisy I see is that, like, the Republican Party will champion free speech, right, and, and leaving the left and thinking differently. The reality is all they do is spew anti-left talking points, but they still have to adhere to conservative talking points. Like they can't get off the plantation. Turning Point USA, which in some events and things, organizations, sure, they might have made some good points, but most of all those people, they all start from Master Charlie Kirk, the white man. Like He still runs the show. Like You people aren't truly independent thinking. And in fact, that's one problem with on the right is that most black conservatives is that Data are not solutionary based. They'll call all the problems and issues in the black community, but then act like these things are all exclusively black people's fault and are doing, or act as if like we're not aware of these problems and issues and these are some aha moments and they're smarter than us and recognize these things. They never go into the root cause. They never look into the policy and legislation that has been passed that actually has caused these issues. And in fact, if they had any type of intelligence or any type of actual wherewithal to actually care about the black community, they would see that some of these legislation and policies dumb it up the Democratic Party, but they're too lazy to get to that. They're just blaming on black people. That's all our fault. No solutionary base. And they have to adhere to all the talking points of the right. You saw this recently with Ron DeSantis in Florida and what I would call is anti-American uh, legislation trying to remove black history out of the history books down there. It's communist behavior, it's Marxism, call it what it is. Uh, a lot of communism, uh, conservative communism, what I call it, um, where you're doing this revisionist history. Uh, black American history is American history. I want to say that. Black American history is American history. And in fact, to my other conservative people watching this, Republicans, a lot of times you guys are maybe first or second generation Americans yourself uh, who have never fought in a, a war or sacrificed an ounce of blood for this country. So to come to and tell black American citizens what is uh, American history is absurd to me. It's absurd. You're not more American than us. You don't get to write what American is, what's American not. So to that point, you saw one black conservatives who did speak out against that, especially Representative Brian Donalds um, from Florida, who I will tip my hat to, Republican um, um, representative and House representatives. You spoke out against it, essentially saying, well, that part, though, and, and especially when they're trying to get to minimize slavery and as if somehow in some way black people learn a, a trade and slavery benefit of black people. It's disgusting. You would never say that about anyone else. It's a very lack of understanding of American history. And quite frankly, as a Republican Party, oftentimes is always anti-college and college scam, get a trade. They're party of the non-academic, and so they don't know how to research, I see oftentimes. They use straw man fallacies and positions, and that's why the liberals kind of always write and beat them. That's why I'm like, oh, I can't get down with y'all. Y'all corny. Most black conservatives are corny. Now, I have found there are also a lot of definitely pro-black black conservatives who do believe in race and white supremacy, but also have con- believe in conservative talking points and rhetoric, and that's okay, and that's good. But this notion that has somehow, some way, there's one way of thinking, well, that's just ludicrous. I think for black Americans, we need policy and legislation. 
We need things that are actually going to help benefit us. Now, there are many black politicians that I do think want to help the black community. However, the reality is funding. It's a part of politics we got to talk about within the black community. The reality is a whole black people itself, right, collecting this country, right, do not have the same economic and financial freedom and access resources as other people in this country. And that's done through lots of different rationale, reasoning, and, uh, and setbacks and legislation policies, right? But nevertheless, that's the reality. So it's the same with our black, like, officials who are running for political office. You need money. You need donors. You've got PACs behind you. And oftentimes, those are non-black PACs. It's non-black money that's going to that hand. And when you're financed by non-black money, you can't objectively expect a black agenda. And what I say by that is that whoever funds your money is kind of going to run your your campaign for you. It's going to tell you who is what. Going back to my point, right? Only 62 members of Congress out of the 535. So again, even in that minimal element, we're not getting people who could truly make objective positioning. It goes to my point where these black celebrities, entertainers, Athlete musicians, people who do have multi-millions of dollars, right? Whether it's, you know, being controlled by someone else, but nevertheless, you, exterior point of view, seem to have disposable income. And as you start backing actual black politicians' campaigns, where that money is now come from a black uh, entertainer, or Rick Ross, like that, is giving money now to back a black politician, right? I'm not saying these rappers really have to do that, because at the same time, like, you know, I'm always about the same person, but like, I'm not going to tell people to do with their money. I'm not. I know it might be popular. I'm not. I'm not anti-capitalism. Okay, I'm just not. I think definitely, like many things, it can be used and has been used to harm the black community. But at the same time, look at like Black Wall Street, right? I think a lot of these black financial institutions, things we built for a time, that benefit of, of capitalism. And quite frankly, the black community is enriched in capitalism from cars, cars, fashion, rap music, four-dollar dates, all these different talking points. Thing is capitalism. Now, again, it has been hurt to black, hurt black community, but I know it'd be anti-capitalism. Look, everybody eats, B. All right, we got to get ours. Uh, so, uh, with that being said as well, I'm not going to tell people to do their money, but I will say that a lot of these black entertainers and people like that, athletes, imagine start black, backing black politicians or getting money to HBCUs, and we have more political science majors. I went to HBCU, Delaware State University. Gang, gang. I was one of the few, maybe in our political science department, right, with as small as it is, only like two black men. You know, it's like we need more overall political awareness, understanding these elements. And it's like this whole partisan element, black, we got to stop being used. Look, I'll be honest, even especially this past election cycle, like you had a lot of black, these politicians who were like anti-black policy. I look at Amy Kobachar, right, when when she was a, a, a district attorney at her um, in Minnesota at the time, you know, previously Derek Shevin, the officer, ended up killing uh, George Floyd. You know, he had killed multiple times before that. And he had been under tried and actually uh, had been charges pressed against him. And both times, Ibi Kobachar uh, decided not to press charges against him and, and released him. And, and imagine how you've been put around behind bars, you know, he would have been out there to kill George Floyd. In fact, she, if you look it up right now, her campaign was actually called off because Black Lives Matter protesters interrupted her, her uh, campaigning because of these stuff. Look it up. But somehow, some way, like, she was for the culture. Or many Mike Bloomberg for Stop and Frisk, Mayor of New York. A lot of black people got incarcerated for that. A lot of black people locked up in Rikers. Khalif Browder is definitely part of that. But somehow, some way, because against Trump, it's okay. Like, that was a problem. Like, everybody, get, as long as you were against Trump, it didn't matter who you were. We were celebrating. You look at George W. Bush that let black people die during Hurricane Katrina. went on vacation. 
but some because he's not Trump, he gets rebranded as Bob Ross and like a humanitarian and stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's still part of the problem, I think, sometimes the black community is that, look, ultimately with black conservatives and black progressives is that it's still sometimes white sympathizers. And when I say that, I say that in the sense that, like, because of white supremacy and racism, subconsciously, they don't think they're the same to white people. And so they need white people to pat them on the back or acknowledge them. They think that their essence and their being matters. It's the same thing why people complain about the Oscars or Grammys or not enough black people nominated. Bet. I understand the, the importance of representation, but at the same time, like, why? You only want it because the white people are nominating that, right? Like, a BET award or Soul Train award should count just as much, in my personal opinion, or a critical award show, right? We're always trying to change a cartoon character or some of that to be black. I'm a, I'm a nerd, and I love seeing different people in representation. But don't make Superman black. It don't gotta be. That's okay. We can have our own characters. In the same way, because just as much white people trip that, you know what I mean, Ariel was changed to a black woman and stuff like that, but, you know, a, a, a mermaid. Relax. Not that deep. So I think as a whole, right, like representation is important, but sometimes in a way, it's like, I think black liberals and white and black conservatives sometimes as well, it's like you're still wanting inclusion from white people. Like, that's what you're fighting for. White inclusion. And... Again, you, I'm not saying as a black person you can't have white friends or anything at all remotely. Like, no, of course you can't have friends with anybody. But subconsciously, black liberals and black conservatives are oftentimes fighting for white acceptance and approval. So they say the things. A black progressive will come out and be all anti-Trump. And, ah, get the pat ahead the head by the black, black, white liberal. And then vice versa. Then, you know, a black conservative, like, wow, racism doesn't really exist. And white supremacy doesn't exist. And, patent head by the white conservative okay cool but none of y'all have actually progressed in the black community and at times especially over the past like four or five years and looking at how the election went down for 2016 having independent perspective on that so y'all yeah, call this stuff yeah, i know russians look at the exit polls 2016 was very emotional but again partisan element right some people are all in are you being hillary people are all in being trump I ain't vote for either of them. Because, duh. Like, I mean, what you would expect me? Hillary Clinton had more than just emails. I ain't gonna just sit here and just toss that to the side, bro. Hillary Clinton was subpoenaed by the FBI because she had a private server that had classified information on it at her crib, at her house. After being subpoenaed by the FBI, she actually deletes 30,000 plus emails using a system called BleachBit. Unrecoverable. After being subpoenaed by the FBI, she then said that these emails were quote unquote sensitive in nature, planning her daughter's wedding, doing things for yoga practices. But not only did you acid wash delete 30,000 emails after being subpoenaed by the FBI, you then ahead had your different aides literally smash cell phones that also had access to the server. And then when those same aides when called testified, they plead the fifth for 100 plus times to community deals. Now, for someone that had nothing to hide, just emails, it's like, where is the integrity? Are you kidding me? Can you imagine Trump did that? Can you imagine? Let me put this perspective for y'all. Could you imagine if Trump had been subpoenaed by the FBI because it said Trump had a private server at his house that he was using classified information on at his house? 
Okay, then after being subpoenaed by the FBI, Trump then went ahead and deleted 30,000 emails using a software that literally makes it unrecoverable. And then Trump went ahead and had his aides literally smash with hammers cell phones that also had access to this information. And then those same aides refused to testify and pled the fifth. But it's just sensitive things like his daughter's planning, planning his daughter's wedding and yoga schedule. Really? Really? That's probably Hillary Clinton. Like, clearly you're shady and you have a lot to hide. Uh, it's ethical. And that was just only fact for her. She has a lot of, over time, anti-black contributions. I think Hillary Clinton was absolutely um, qualified to be president. Absolutely. For being a senator, also first lady, to being secretary of state, to distinguish career in politics. So I'm never going to sit here and like act like she wasn't qualified. Nor are going to do the whole lock her up thing. I'm like, ah, that's a slippery slope you want to open. That's honestly, it's kind of ironically, he's biting Trump in the butt right now. Like the whole lock her up stuff. And I'm like, well, look at you. People are locking you up. Doing the same thing you ain't do. So I vote for her. I vote for Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden has a lot of... I understand he was President Obama's uh, vice president and the first black president's VP. Uh, look, there's a problem with that. Because one thing I saw during the past election cycle is that the older black generation, and this is where I think sometimes I break from the Democratic Party, is that they have this whole like kind of naive perspective that because Joe Biden was a white man and he let a black man lead that he cut from a different cloth but it ignored Joe Biden's 40 plus years of supporting legislation policy, writing legislation policy that has been anti-black and white supremacist um, talking points to it that have hurt and harmed the black community from stifling segregation in the 70s and working with open white supremacists such as Storm, Storm Thurman and Jesse Helms and Lily Crane legislation that would uh, stop segregation, excuse me, integration. And going ahead from the 80s as well, a lot of people know about uh, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, in the war on drugs. A lot of people don't know that Joe Biden was actually the person that pushed this war on drugs on Joe Biden, actually, about uh, Ronald Reagan, actually. And then up to the 90s and 94 crime bill. Uh, later on, we'll touch on all three of those things in my whole podcast with Joe Biden and white supremacy. But just getting warmed up to it. Look, my man's got a whole record, track record of hurting harm the black community through legislation and policy. It's a lot of anti-black stuff, literally working white supremacists. But just because he was picked as Obama's vice president, again, at the same time, like, Biden had already, like, ran for president his fourth time at that point and failed. Look, okay, he was thirsty to get into the White House. And I'm going to keep it a whole stat. Ain't no strong white man gonna be picked to lead, lead behind the first black president. I'm calling what it is. He a weak white man, <laughs> a weak leader, and he got put on a ticket. Now Joe Biden had a lot of foreign policy experience, and of course, in the Senate for like at that point already like 35 plus years. So I get it. But he know he no ally just because he's the first black president. Obama pick his cabinet. That's what they saw during Citigroup uh, that, that was uh, exposed in WikiLeaks. Citigroup pick his whole cabinet. So I'm just getting a point. Look, I think the first junior senator who's elected president did not have a autonomy to truly pick everybody. So I'm gonna give Obama a caveat. Get him later on. But Joe Biden's not an ally, and with that being said, he has a large history of hurting and harming the black community. And I think that's where I'm kind of turning off a lot of black progressives because when it comes to racism, white supremacy, they turn the blind mice to come to Joe Biden. During the past election cycle, uh, 2020, if I just mentioned anything about Joe Biden's racist history, it was automatically met with "Just say you vote for Trump." I was like, huh? We went this whole cycle of Black Lives Matters and calling out injustice, race, and white supremacy, but because I called for this guy, 
Somehow that meant I'm going to automatically vote for Trump? Huh? No, I'm not voting for Trump. I didn't vote for Trump in 2016 or 2020. But it doesn't mean I can't call Joe Biden's right supremacy in his... Like, it's like, black people are ignoring this because we think that Trump is worse is a straw man argument, right? When you, you take an extreme and you use talking points to oversensitize it. It's like, look, man, like... You see Joe Biden, like, he was uh, running. He even said, oh, if you ain't black, you vote for me. Like, this arrogance he has, it goes back. He's a white man thinks he's better than, than black people. Please go look his information up, and I will go on him later on. But I did not vote for him, nor vote for him again. And so, again, I always wanted to blow black generation sometimes. It's like, I say it respectfully, like, is there culpability from y'all? Because, like, have you always ignored race and white supremacy because the white liberals told you to? Because you felt that the other white man was worse? I'm going to be very blunt when I say that, but that's kind of how I feel. I ain't scared like y'all. I respect everything our ancestors sacrificed for. And honestly, it's it's due to that sacrifice. I don't have to have that fear. I wasn't, I wasn't you know, raised in, in, in segregation. I wasn't raised in those volatile times and things. And a lot of older black generation was. So subconsciously, that's in their mind still. They don't forget that, right? They forget, they remember who was doing it. So I get why a lot of them vote Democrat because oftentimes the Democratic Party was quote unquote the allies at this point in time. But this ain't that. We need tangible policy now. We need to actually push our legislation to do stuff. It's not just let a white politician come into a black church or an election cycle and dance around and do a sermon and think that's enough. Or, or someone go ahead and do the Dougie on a campaign trail. Or Tom Strayer had Juvenile perform back that ass up. It's exploitation. I think at times it's like, if a black celebrity speaks up for, like, a Democrat, it's cool. But a black celebrity speaks up for, like, a Republican or has a conservative talking point, then automatically, oh, well, they're being used by them. It's like, well, no, how come... Like, we got to, black people understand, like, listen, a black person is actually more likely to be exploited by the Democratic Party than the Republican Party. And in fact, a black progressive and a black liberal is more likely to cancel a black person than a black conservative. Like, black, black liberals, black progressive, be like canceling black people, just, just distorting black people's name, image, everything in a heartbeat. Again, subconscious thing for white, patent head white man. Now, again, I think that it's very important that black people have coalition building, sure. But this notion that automatically, like, Democratic Party is, like, the allies is, like, nah. But again, the problem with black conservatives understand is, like, calling Democratic Party, Democratic Plantation, Republican Party Plantation as well, too. Bro, they don't try. I think there are some growing people within the party that can help out. Like, I like Tim Scott. Sal Shani, Sonny Johnson. Like, you got people out here in the black conservative community who are voices and rising up. But also, we can call out both sides. Like, I think part of it is, like, look, like... Like a black liberal and a black progressive will defend degeneracy and all negative elements that white liberals put upon the black community. And a black conservative will defend and look past race and white supremacy. Both sides are taking attributes and things that are quite frankly harming the black community. And so the, the attack on the black family has been huge. The black nuclear family has been destroyed over the past 40 plus years, but that's not always the case. We didn't realize, like, up to like that, in the mid 70s, black people still got married over 85% of the time. But you look at, since then, like, well, what happened? Well, you had the war on drugs when the black men were taking out the household and mass incarceration happened. You had the AIDS and crack epidemic that mentally, physically, and spiritually despondent the black community as well and everything. You also had the systematic element of the welfare system and how it kind of benefits a black man or a man not being around in a household. And all these things rolled up in one in the past 40 plus years have caused, unfortunately, the black household to be 
uh, taken apart. And sometimes I think black progressives have this revisionist history. And what we do is like, we'll cosplay this whole, oh, it takes a village to leave, to leave, raise a child thing, like probably from Africa. And, and not understanding that what that truly means. The black nuclear family, the nuclear family is one of the oldest conceptions in human history. And it originates from Africa. There are many different families nowadays. Absolutely. And no one can control what type of family they're born into. Right? And I really understand that part. However, you can control what type of family you create. And this notion that the nuclear family, like I've been blessed that my parents have been married for 40 plus years. I'm blessed to be married as a nuclear family. My mother and father have loved each other. I've seen a black man love a black woman my entire life. I saw a black woman being taken care of, supported by a black man my entire life. I saw a black man hold a door open, how to treat a black woman my entire life. To act as if that doesn't matter is absurd. Having multiple resources. Now, I can relate to people. I was actually raised in a still a single income household. My father was raised, my mother was a work, stay at home mother. But the father worked. But that's the only way to about $65,000 a year the most he ever did. And that was with six people in the household. We were smart, we were efficient, we were middle class. We weren't rich, I wasn't poor. But we made it together. But the togetherness of a family, my mom being home with us, I never I wanted to never daycare to my entire life because my dad worked, my mom could do that. I never seen my mom outward struggle and have to work multiple jobs to support us and keep the lights on. I'm very blessed for that. Why? Because she had a husband. To act as if it doesn't matter is absurd and I think sometimes as a, the Democratic Party is getting away from the black nuclear family I think these different initiatives Black Lives Matters the, the movement started off well but unfortunately it was coerced and by people who did not want to see the, the nuclear family and the black men family be there anymore we gotta get back to the basic because as well as also two people in a household means two incomes I mean you save money up financially it's smart so different elements in which we need to understand that yes we're under attack from different layers but we need to come together. I think black people understand that, look, if Republican has tangible policy to actually help the black community, then listen to it. And more importantly, for black people, I'm not saying you shouldn't vote Democrat, but you just got to get something for your vote. Make them work for it. Get some tangible policy in place. They can't just think we have our vote in the bag like it's nothing. And vice versa, don't be gas- gaslit or shamed or bullied if they haven't vote for a candidate. I won't. Cause that's most of all times it comes down to is that, oh you're gonna vote for such and such to say you're voting for trump or insert some other person that's not how that works that's not real policy those are people who are coerced and, and corrupted the black community and there's a lot of degeneracy that happens to the black community that quite frankly we need to call out i believe in inclusivity absolutely i believe all black life matters and personally myself i don't doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is or your gender or what you identify as of anything as long as you black in my personal opinion like shh, we all here with it okay now with that being said we got to focus though on issues that from a utilitarian standpoint that impacts the most amount of people as health as financing as social justice like those things are very important that we need to come together and focus on right those other elements and different subparts in the black community are very important and, and not they don't matter Let's make sure our energy is kept the same and building up with each other, right? The black community doesn't have much economic power and control, right? We got a $1 trillion annual spending power, but 95% of that's spent outside the community. So remember that as well. A black, a black person can't, like, really oppress, like, any other community. Because we don't own nothing. And when I say that, like, you can verbally be oppressive. You can physically be oppressive. But, like, sometimes, like, you see, like, service, like, oh, re- reverse racism is racism. Sure. 
like bigotry is wrong right but i don't think they understand what racism a lot of times comes from control like there is no industry that like black people own that are leaders of and in that industry we actually own we utilize to discriminate white people and hire only black people like that, that doesn't happen we don't own anything like that like the music industry isn't owned by black people a lot of black people in it but it's non-black people who are the owners of the industry we don't dictate the culture almost anyway most black culture quite frankly is dictated by yeah white progressive culture or non-black culture and so we need to understand that as well too like we need to have a betterment of our control or influence what we can do being a black independent can have you all over the place sometimes from political perspective i love black people i'm black first for sure but also understand as well too like I'm not going to fall into victimhood. I'm not going to fall into oppression. I'm not going to fall into the same talking points and fear-mongering talking things that happen. That ain't it. That ain't it. And we got to get back to the basics. And so I know today I was kind of jumping in. I think we understand that, again, we have only 62 black members of Congress out of the 535. We need more bipartisan elements. We need to work together and stop being exploited. And more importantly, we need to demand tangible policy. Just because someone is anti-Trump does not mean they are an ally or want to help the black community. We, we need to stop these slippery slopes like that. This doesn't mean that. But I think there is more of a concise voice coming up. In this podcast, I'm going to touch on this primaries, each candidate. But more importantly, black would be aware about how we lose our vote and the importance of it, right? Our ancestors fought and sacrificed so much to have the right to vote, which I agree, but I think they had a right, they fought for us to have the choice to vote. And if you don't think a politician doesn't represent you or they don't have policy that engage with you, don't vote for them for the sake of voting. That's that's backwards. That's where that gaslighting comes from. That's why you got to vote my party. I, no, I do not have to vote that party if I don't believe they will help me out. It's okay to think differently. It's okay. You don't have to be a Democrat. That's cool. Like, I know some people may bully and gaslight you, but that's okay. You can still be a caring, empathetic, loving person and not be a registered Democrat. Doesn't mean you can't vote that if a politician has a policy for you, but to vote blindly that, I think we got to stop that, quite frankly. We're the only group, Black America's only group in this country that really primarily only votes for one specific party, like in a large faction like that, right? Other parties, they get kind of split up. So we need to be aware of that. Nevertheless, appreciate you tuning in today. A lot I talked about, kind of got my backdrop and views. Uh, you don't agree with everything I said today? That's cool. See me some of the talking points I'm going to get into. Uh, also as well, make sure you check out next week's episode. And uh, yeah, man, we out here. And so, yeah, I'm passionate about this politics stuff, yo. Honestly, truly. And uh, we'll get into more, a lot more later on. So uh, until next time, stay hip, stay blessed, stay connected.